I'm so glad you're here today. How many are glad you made it to church? Thank you, Jesus. And we still have our online church that is meeting. So many families who aren't able to make it back quite yet because of circumstances. But I'm so glad you, hear, you are here. And I believe we're living in a prophetic moment in the kingdom of God. I believe that we're going to look back at 2020. And this, this year looks so backwards, doesn't it? It looks so like, what is going on? I was walking through the grocery store a couple days ago and just picking up my groceries, and I kind of checked out on being afraid of this thing, honestly. And uh, all of a sudden, I hear over the radio, you know, make sure that you're walking six feet apart from me. And I'm like, I feel like I just walked into a sci-fi movie. Like, what is going on? But you know what? I have to say, God is in control. He is in control of every seasons in the kingdom of God. And God knew this moment right here, right now, amen. And I believe there's awakening happening in his church. I believe there's an awakening happening in God's kids that we are catching this revival moment and what God wants to do. And Pastor Paul said something during eight o'clock meeting as we came together is God is taking the church from the inside out. And that's the cry of faith builders. And I believe the cry of God that God wants the church to no longer be focused inside, that God is going to change our mentality to open up our walls and be go, go into the highways and the byways. Amen. I need somebody just to bring up my marker board really quick. I know I don't normally use that, but that would be awesome. Anyway, I'm really excited. I'm going to take the next few weeks, and God has really put in my spirit while we were on our, our time where we weren't together, and the Lord was just speaking to me so much about revival and this move of God and really what the Lord is going to do through Faith Builders because that's the church that I pastor, but I believe that God is doing this all over the world, that he is awakening his church. And so he's really called me to prepare faith builders for a move of the Holy Spirit. And if you're getting ready to run a race, you know, this marathon race or whatever, you take time to prepare yourself for that race. You just don't show up, well, you shouldn't just show up at a marathon and decide, well, whatever, I got my old tennis from last year, I can put them on and, you know, and you show up at that starting gate. You have really good intentions, right? But you're probably not going to get very far because you haven't been prepared. And running the race, running a marathon is mental is getting our thoughts right, getting our emotions, it's visualizing this race and getting spiritually prepared for what God is about to do. Because there is a move of the Holy Spirit coming. And so God has challenged me to get faith builders, get us ready at that running gate. We gotta get some new tennis shoes on, amen? We've gotta get a new outfit. And I, I'll share that message in a little bit, but I shared it with my the leadership team last week that we've gotta get in the changing room and, and get prepared with some new clothes on, right? A fresh vision a fresh anointing and, and get positioned. You know, when you're going to run a race, you got to get in that stance. That's showing that I'm ready for what's about to happen. And that's what God wants us to, to do as believers. It's time to get ready. Amen. Let's get in that position. God is passing the baton to this generation to do something for the kingdom of God. And so I last week um, came across one of my dad's books, who is the uh, founder of Faith Builders Church, uh, Bishop and Jerry Glory Pruitt. I know all of you know them, but for anybody who may not, yeah, give them a shout because they might be watching. And we need to put a microphone out there because they probably can't hear you. But um, anyway, my dad wrote a book probably 20 years ago or more called The Presence, Power, and Purpose of God. And I stumbled across it, and it is just so prophetic 
for what God is doing in the church right now. So I've literally been eating those pages up and really devouring them and, and getting this moment. And actually last year, he rewrote the chapters to make them a little bit more relevant for today. And we're going to reprint that book and make it available to you. And we're also going to put it on Amazon or wherever so you can download the ebook so you can read it on any of your digital platforms. But I believe we need to get in this mindset to believe God or position ourselves for revival. Amen. So I'm going to go back. And of course, this is Pentecost Sunday, but I want to go before the cross and I want to share a little bit of Jesus's um, message and why what he taught when he was here on earth and why we need the power of God. Why do we need God's power? You know, the church has kind of gotten it backwards. We've changed it where the power was meant for the world right, the demonstrations to the world, and we've now made it to where we want it for us. And now we're hoarding this power that God has not called us to hoard inside the four walls. And I'm going to show you in the word why. Have you ever wondered why we're not seeing the miracles that God says we should see? I think we've all had that question. Why aren't we seeing these incredible signs, wonders, and miracles? And I believe we're going to study through the word. God will show us why. And God wants to change our focus so that we can see the move of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So in this part of the teaching, um, Jesus will begin to show you in scripture, Jesus began to do and teach. All he did in his walk here on earth was to do and teach the kingdom of God, right? He was all about whatever the father said. He brought the kingdom of heaven here on earth. But the part that I believe we're missing today that God wants to bring us back into remembrance that he taught the kingdom of God through the power of the Holy Spirit. He did not teach in his own ability. He taught through the Holy Spirit. So you now, as his sons and daughters, you have the Holy Spirit living in you. So whenever you step out to share your faith, to lay hands on the sick, or whatever part of the kingdom you're sharing, you don't step out in your own ability. You step out with the Holy Spirit's power. And listen, it's the Holy Spirit's power that changes someone, not how well you can speak. It's not even how great your testimony is. Because some of you have probably had your testimony and shared it, and it probably didn't really, it might have affected someone like, man, that's awesome. But when you know you got the power, when you are declaring the word of God, I've got the Spirit's power backing my story, backing my testimony, backing my prayers. Now there's the manifestation of the miracles because I've got the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So that's what we're going to be unveiling here today. So in Luke uh, chapter four is where um, Jesus is now getting the revelation, sharing the first revelation in scripture from uh, the prophet Isaiah. But listen, right before this, Jesus was walking just as man. Now we know, we know he's all God and he's all, he's all man, right? He was all. But up until this point, he was walking just as the purpose of a man. Now God had to do something in Jesus' life to release and unlock his purpose, right? There had to have been an encounter. So if you look at Luke chapter 3, verse 21, all of a sudden God says, I have to give Jesus, my son, the power to fulfill his purpose on earth so that he can now give the purpose and the power to other people, right? So that's what we're going to look at. So in verse, chapter 3, verse 21, it says this. When all the people were baptized, it came to pass that Jesus also was baptized. And while he prayed, the heavens opened up. This is our Savior, right? But he's being water baptized, which is what we know symbolically as the forgiveness of our sin. He's showing that example. But when he was baptized, he opened, came up, and the Bible says in 22, the Holy Spirit descended in bodily form like a dove, which said, you are my beloved son and whom I am well pleased. 
Now, what I want you to see here, and I'm going to do this earlier in my teaching because I think it'll, it'll help you, but God has all power, right? God has his presence, and God has purpose. So in heaven, we have God who sits on the throne. Thank you, Jesus. And he sent his son, Jesus, right? And when he sent his son, at this moment in scripture, he is unlocking Jesus' purpose to fulfill his mission here on earth, which we'll learn that mission in just a minute. But God said, I'm going to give Jesus my presence, which we know he is, right? Power and purpose. So he gave that to Jesus here on earth. So the moment that Jesus was ascended on the dove, the baptism of the Holy Spirit hit Jesus, that spirit unleashed the purpose of God, and now that purpose was driving Jesus to the remainder to the cross to fulfill the will of God. And so once that purpose was ignited through the Holy Spirit, what happened? That spirit of God, if you look in verse 1 of chapter 4, then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan, and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness. I want you to look at that. When the Spirit of God came on the Son of God, that Spirit led him into that wilderness. And we think of wilderness as a bad place, right, where the presence of God isn't. But that's where the presence of God is. That's where we've been for nine weeks. We've been alone with God. But listen, right when there's that empowerment of the Holy Spirit comes the temptation of the enemy. If we're ever living in a time where the enemy is coming so strong against the Church of America, it is right now. Why? Because God is unlocking his power in the church. And the devil's going to come with temptation to confuse us, to pull us away from the house of God, right? And cause the church to walk away from its divine moment here on earth. And that purpose is to reach the world for Jesus Christ which we will talk about here in just a minute. So now here's Jesus. He's been gone through the temptation with the devil, and it goes in verse 14. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Holy Spirit. Everybody say power of the Holy Spirit. Now the Son of God, who is our example, was given. He had God's presence, but now because of the Holy Spirit, he's been given power and he's been given purpose. Now what is the purpose of the kingdom? What was that unleashed in Jesus. Now I want us to look at Matthew 28. Just write this down in scripture. It says, Jesus said in Matthew, go into all the world and share the good news. What was the purpose? To share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You go on into Mark 16 and what did he say? Go make disciples of men. What was the purpose? The purpose was to reach the lost for Jesus Christ. So why did Jesus need the power to release the purpose here on earth? And that purpose is to make disciples of men. We want the power, right? We want the signs, wonders, and miracles, but we're not doing the purpose. And that's why we're having little bitty things. We can see miracles here and there. We're hearing kind of good testimonies. We see it, but we're not seeing the full manifestation of this movement of God because we're not doing the purpose of the kingdom of God. We're not going into the world and sharing the gospel of Jesus with everybody that we have influence with. I'm telling you, as soon as the church gets out of the four walls and we start going into the highways and the byways, the Bible says when you reach the law, signs and wonders will follow the believer. If we want to see blinded eyes open, we need to go win somebody for Jesus. 
If we want to see the lame walk, we better go into the world. Why? Because they're the ones who broke it. They're the ones who need the power of the Holy Spirit. If they are bound by devils, they don't need just a good prayer. They need the power of the Holy Spirit. If there's drug addiction, they don't just need a sweet little message. They need the power of the Holy Spirit. We, has the, as the church, has to remember we have the power of the Holy Spirit in our life. And it's not gonna come by Christians coming together in a gathering, that's part of it. And it's so important. God is saying, go to the lost, the broken, and the hurting. God says, no longer is it just one man declaring the message of power. Jesus says, I'm gonna give all power and authority to all men. What was Jesus trying to do? He's trying to take the power that God gave him in this moment. The last assignment he gave to the disciples says, I need you to wait for the power. He's trying to transfer. He's like, the anointing I walked in, the signs, wonders, and miracles that I performed, he said in scripture, greater work shall you do, but you've got to receive the transfer of the anointing of the power of the Holy Spirit because you're not going to do it without my presence and you're not going to do it without my power. He said, you got to wait for the power. He said, because me, the Jesus that you know that walked with you, I'm about to go away, but I'm going to send another. And that power is going to abide with you till I come back again. That power was given at Pentecost, however many years ago. That same power is here in 2020, and we need that power like we've never needed it before. The church needs to rise up in our authority, in our power by the presence of God and fulfill the purpose and the commission of the kingdom. And that is to win this world to Jesus Christ. Amen. So what did Jesus, his mission now was one man, if I'm going to do greater works, God gave it to Jesus. But in this moment, he says, listen, I'm about to give it away. I can't keep this to myself anymore. He says, you got to wait because I'm going to transfer what I've been doing to you. And so Jesus in this moment, and we'll read in scripture, he then gave us the presence and for time, power and purpose, right? He gave that to us. I guess I'm going to write it out. I need like a person with better handwriting to help me out. But Jesus said, I'm going to give to you now in this moment. If you can see with spiritual eyes, I'm going to give you my power. And I'm going to give you my presence to release the purpose of the kingdom here on earth. But it's not going to come any other way. But that happened, didn't it? Jesus came and he transferred that power. Now look at um, Luke chapter 4 now. Jesus, with the power of the Holy Spirit, took a revelation of, uh, I think it was Isaiah. Isaiah had a revelation of the old scriptures. It was the first time revelation happened. And he said, the spirit of the Lord is upon me. How did Jesus do this? The spirit of the Lord. Jesus did not have power as the natural man. He had power because the Holy Spirit came upon him. God's not using pulpit preachers for this power alone. He's not using pastors. He's using his kids. You are the church to manifest the power and presence of God. Behold, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. To, he's anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the recovery of the sight to, blind, uh, sight to the blind, to set at liberty those who are oppressed, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. When God hits you with his power, and that's why God wants to awaken the Holy Spirit in us, we'll begin to do the works of the kingdom, amen? We'll begin to see what God wants to do in the church today. Now, if you look at... Um, 
Matthew or Luke, uh, let's see, I'm going to go over to Luke 24 now. And I want to show you something in Scripture. What was Jesus saying the power came for? Verse 45 says this. This is now the resurrection. And he opened their understanding that they might comprehend the Scriptures. And he said to them, this is the purpose, thus it is written, and thus it was necessary for Christ to suffer and to rise from the dead the third day. And that repentance, here's the key, repentance and remission of sin should be preached in his name to all the nations beginning in Jerusalem. What was the commission? He said, from this moment forward, you have to preach repentance. God is bringing his church back to repentance. And I'm not talking being sin conscious. I'm talking about heartfelt repentance. Well, we'll study next week about the conversion. When Jesus meets people's life, there's a conversion of repentance. My heart has changed. I'm remorseful for my sins. When I'm talking and sharing the gospel with my friends or my relatives, there's a repentance that they're remorseful for their sins. Jesus said, the purpose for my power is for the lost. The purpose is for people to humble themselves in the sight of a Savior and say, I need Jesus as my Lord and my Savior. The moment we start doing the purpose is when we'll start seeing the power, which is the signs, the wonders, and the miracles of the kingdom of God. But Jesus didn't say, I came for anything else. He didn't come for a good message. He didn't come for self-help teaching. He didn't come for any of those things. He came for the gospel of the kingdom of heaven. And that is the good news of repentance and the forgiveness of our sins. And that's what God is calling the church to. We need the heart of repentance. And when repentance happens, listen, revival happens. Revival happens. There's a, I, I tried to research it. I couldn't find it. I think it's John G. Lake. But whenever he's a, old, a missionary hundreds of years ago or whatever, and he uh, would bring revival to cities everywhere he went. But before he would go into that city, he would send in intercessors. And what those intercessors would do, he'd send in a whole team. They would walk the streets of that city all day praying, calling repentance to that city, calling God to trouble their hearts, calling that spirit of, of humbling themselves before the Lord. And they would walk and pray every day. And, and I don't remember how long some of those cities would take. But listen, when people would, on their way to their work, they would be walking. No church, no worship service, no heartfelt moment where we feel moved by God. Walking on the streets to their jobs would fall on their face and begin to cry out to God and say, God, forgive me of my sins. God, come into my heart. People had a repented heart. And as soon as that revivalist would get message, they would send a message to him and say, the people are ready. He would then come into that city where repentance was already taking place and he would break forth revival. See, revival is going to come, but God is saying, but there must be a time of the, of the repentance of our sins. Amen the remission, and the forgiveness of our sins. Thank you, Jesus. So he said there must be repentance of sin. Now I want you to go over to um, John 20, in verse 21. I want to show you something there. It says this. Jesus, let's see, where am I at here? John 20, verse 22, says this. I think that's what it is. When Jesus was speaking to them, 
Let me read it. So Jesus said to them, peace to you. As the Father has sent me, I also send you. Listen to this. And when he said this, he breathed on them. Now I want to start right there. He breathed on them to receive the Holy Spirit. What do we see here? Back in the old creation, it began with what? Jesus breathing in Abraham. Adam, thank you. Jesus breathed into Adam, and now Jesus is saying, I'm going to show you the new covenant. I'm going to breathe once again into the new covenant, the power of my Holy Spirit. So when Jesus breathed that power into the church, he breathed his purpose and his manifestation into the new covenant. Somebody say amen. So if you look at the tie between God's presence and God's power, and his purpose, it is the evangelism of the gospel. They go hand in hand. There's no separation. God says, it must be the purpose of my kingdom. That's why I'm giving you my power. Now, why do we need God's power? It's so important because his power allows the ability for people to fully perceive the gospel of Jesus Christ. We need to wake up in the morning as believers and say, Holy Spirit, I need your presence in my life. Holy Spirit, I invite your presence into my life, into my heart, in my mind, so that I will be led by your spirit. So that when I share the gospel with someone, they will perceive the kingdom of God. You will have an anointing on your life in this season when you realize it comes through the presence of the Holy Spirit. You don't move in your own mind. You don't move in your own earth suit. You move in the presence of the Holy Spirit. Amen. When you have the Holy Spirit moving in presence in your life, you will convince others to the cross, but the Holy Spirit will also convince you to go. If we've ever needed a time where the church needs to be convinced to go, it's right now. We're so busy. We're going here and there, and our mind are troubled about so many things. And God says, I did not come but to save the lost. And the church has got to quit looking for all this big dimension of the kingdom and focus on winning the lost. When we win somebody to Jesus, I promise you, when there's repentance of sin, there will be revival. But it's not going to happen by the preacher standing up here saying it. It's not going to happen by praying they walk through the doors by some marketing. No, it's going to happen in your house, in your home, in your environment, in your places of influence. It's going to happen through the church. Amen. And I know this isn't going to change overnight. I know God's going to have to really deal with us and contend with us as his kids because we've learned to function in such a way for so long. But God says, I'm not doing church that way anymore. You watch the big pulpits become small because God isn't using big names in this season. He's doing it different. He's doing it through his church. Because big names can draw a crowd, but it doesn't mean we're winning the lost. It doesn't mean that drug addicts are getting set free. It doesn't mean that marriages are being restored. It doesn't mean people who are bound by demons are not getting set free. Crowds do not show the power of God. The presence of deliverance and freedom is the power of God. And you want to get a church that's on fire is a church that's winning people for Jesus. 
That's a church that gets on fire. And then that person you win to Jesus is going to be so radical because their life's going to be transformed by God that they're going to go and become contagious. And now we've got hundreds of little fires going all across this city because we as a church decided to let the fire of God stir us up, consume us, and use us for his purpose. I want revival. I want miracles. I want signs and wonders, amen? But we need that power, and we only get that power through his presence. God is calling his church back to the presence. He wants all three, but they don't come without his presence. We as a church have to allow his presence to come in our life every day. It's not enough just to come on Sunday and get our little whatever we get from God. We need to wake up every day with the presence of God, amen? We need the Holy Spirit to cause us to act to cause us to go. The Bible says they went into where? They went into Jerusalem, which was local. They went into Judea, which was national. And they went into Samaria, which was cross-cultural. See, when a church starts getting outside, all of a sudden, not only are we affecting Phoenix, now we're affecting Arizona. Not only are we affecting Arizona, we're affecting the nation. Now we're not only affecting the nation, we're affecting the world. And I'm not talking about one church, I'm talking about the church of Jesus Christ. He's calling the church to rise up. Rise up in demonstration and power, but not where we're going to be about ourselves, but we're going to be about the lost. The last commandment that Jesus gave them pointed them to the power of the Holy Spirit. Now, I want to go over to Acts chapter 1, and I want to read this moment where we're at today on Pentecost. And in Acts chapter 1, Jesus spoke to them, and he said this. This was his last words to them. He said, and being assembled together with them, he commanded them not to depart from Jerusalem. He said, listen, don't leave Jerusalem. Salam is peace. Listen, this revival is not going to happen overnight, but we are aiming for it, aren't we? And Jesus is saying, listen, don't leave peace. That, that wait means to remain. It means to uh, contend with. It means to abide in. We are going to wait in God's presence in this season of the church, and we're going to wait for this moment and get ready to do something for Jesus and for the kingdom of God. He said, but wait for that promise. This is the transfer from Jesus to us, and what was the promise? The promise was his power and his purpose. Amen? That's the promise. He said, wait for it. And then he said, you've heard from me, for John truly baptized with water, but you have been baptized with the Holy, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit not many days from now. Now look in verse 6 where their mind was, and therefore, when they had come together, they asked him, saying, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? Now they were still thinking pre-resurrection. They weren't thinking post-resurrection. They were thinking the natural, well, Jesus, are you going to change things? Are you going to make things look good for you now? Because you kind of exited kind of bad, right? Are you going to reestablish your, your political stance? And what did Jesus say to them? He said, listen, it's not for you to know the times or the seasons which the Father has put in his own authority. I believe this is so clear in where God wants us to be at the, as the church today. He said, it's not for you to know the time. Kronos means 24-7. We as the church has to stop looking at what is happening in the world today and let that affect what God is doing in the kingdom of God. 
We've got to stop looking in this Kronos time. God says, it's not for you to look and see what I'm doing. It's for you to look for the power of the Holy Spirit. Quit worrying about the things that you don't have control of. God knows how to handle the world. God knows how to bring peace. God knows how to settle things. But as the church, it is our job to think about the kingdom and the power of the Holy Spirit. We've got to quit getting wrapped up and getting distracted with all this garbage in the world, political stuff's dividing the church. Now we've got this horrible racial prejudice that is dividing the church. There's all this stuff going on. And if we can't see this as the devil trying to divide the, devise the purpose in the kingdom of God, then we are missing the moment. Because God has called the church together like never before in unity, like the upper room. And the devil's like, oh yeah, before God has his say, I'm going to try to bring division. I'm going to try to bring anger. I'm going to separate believers from all these different things, the way they believe. Listen, we all believe from zero to 10. So we've got to come into agreement. The one thing we do agree on is Jesus Christ, the Lord, and the kingdom of God. I don't expect anybody to change their mind the way I think. I don't want, nobody needs to change how you feel. You can feel how you feel, but we can never change our purpose. And that is the kingdom of God here on earth. Let's not even give the devil any satisfaction. Let's just, Jesus said, if you lift up my name, I will draw all men unto me. We need to lift up the name of Jesus. He is the name above every name. He is the great I am. He's the alpha and the omega. He's all powerful. Amen. He sits on the throne and we as his kids have been given the same power and authority that Jesus carried on earth. And we've got to quit walking like we're weak and defeated and scared. We need to rise up as the church of Jesus Christ. We are the church and we've been empowered with the Holy Spirit. We cannot be intimidated by the world. We don't have to be intimidated of whether they like me or don't like me. Jesus said that they don't receive you, shake the dust off your feet. We've got to quit running with our tail between our legs into a cave of embarrassment and we need to come out like roaring lions in this season. I'm telling you, you have to hear what the Spirit has to say in this season. We'll read here in a minute, but the Bible says that when they gathered in that upper room in one accord, they were all aiming for the same thing. That's why there's so much division today. God wants us to aim for the same thing. And there was a sound when they were in that upper room. 40 days later, there was a sound. I wish, I wish I could hear that sound. I can't wait to get to heaven. I hope God puts replay on that thing. Like, I hope it's like on the angels, like little, wherever he plays it. I don't know, I know there's angels that have instruments or whatever, but I wanna hear that sound. I wanna hear it. They said it's like a, a rush of roaring waves. I've been to the ocean, it's incredible. That was the presence of God came here on earth and that presence has not left us. That power has not left us. It abides in us until Jesus comes back again. His presence is here, amen. His power is here on earth and the church needs to receive that and be who God's called us to be. Bold and courageous. And not controversial with other stuff, but I tell you, what, I'll fight the word of God with you. I can't fight. I can't. You cannot fight. The Bible says you don't fight flesh and blood. Everybody, this battle is the is is God's, and it's a demonic battle. And believe me, I have a lot of things I want to say. I've had to walk through my house and have conversations by myself just to get my anger out of me, because I love the African American community, and my heart is broken for what's happening in our nation right now. 
but I also love the church of America. I love the church of Jesus. I mean, I love the church of Jesus Christ. And I had this righteous anger that I know the devil's dividing us like never before. And I feel like as a, you know, white preacher, I feel like, well, am I going to say the right thing? Am I going to say the wrong thing? But I can tell you what I can say right is Jesus. Jesus is the answer. And we'll do what we can in the natural. And I promise you, I, we're going to have a, I'm meeting with some pastors right now. And we're going to go on Facebook hopefully next week and have a conversation. But I kind of feel like right now, have you ever been in a fight with someone that you love? And it's kind of like y'all screaming at each other. Nobody's really listening to each other. It's almost like you're playing double dutch. Like, okay, as soon as they're done, I'm going to say my point. Like, you ain't even listening. You're like, just waiting. I'm going to jump in. You guys know how double, I'm waiting. I feel like that's how things are right now. Like, nobody's really going to hear anyway. So I kind of feel like the Holy Spirit said, wait. But I can tell you, I have a lot to say in my spirit. But I feel like as the kingdom people, as kingdom people, we have to come back to the word of God. It's a spiritual battle, amen. We don't fight against flesh and blood, but powers and principalities. And so this power came upon them. And listen, when God's power comes upon you, his purpose, when his presence and power comes on you, his purpose is revealed. So when Peter, who was such a huge failure, right? We know his story. He betrayed Jesus three times, not too, too far ago. And here he's standing on the day of Pentecost. And what happens? He gets touched with the power of God, the power of the Holy Spirit. He gets touched with the presence of the Holy Spirit. And in that moment, Peter, who was broken, who was probably not usable for the kingdom in the natural, maybe nobody would pick, pick Peter, but Jesus said, when my power visits you, I will allow the purpose of the kingdom to come out of you. And Peter opened up his mouth that day, and he gave the prophetic scripture that we know that, um, where's it at, Jesus? And I shall come to pass that I will pour my spirit out on all flesh, and your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall dream dreams. And he began he was the first one in the New Testament to prophesy revelation of the scriptures of old besides Jesus. And I can imagine how he must have felt in that moment because as Peter, broken Peter, opened up his mouth, he probably thought, what the heck is coming out of my mouth? Where did this come from? Like, I haven't read about Joel in a long time, right? But his purpose became unlocked. The power of God hit him. The presence of God came over him. And he let the kingdom of God come out of him. And they won 3,000 people to Jesus in a day. Why? Because it was the message of repentance. It was the message of the cross. No self-help stuff. None of all this other garbage that we have. If you will stick with the word of God, the word changes everything. There's power in the word of God. Why? Because death could not keep Jesus down. Death couldn't hold him. He had no choice but to resurrect from the cross with the power of God. And he gave that resurrection power to his church. And he wants to see us walk in that resurrection power. Amen. And listen to what Paul said to them in verse 36. I love this. He's like on fire right now. I can imagine how he feels so validated and allowing God to move in his life. For verse 34, for David did not ascend into the heavens, but say to himself, the Lord said to my Lord, sit here at my right hand till I make your enemies my footstool. Verse 36, therefore, let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. 
See, he didn't stand there with this little sweet message. He didn't have a lot of fruit in the pre-baptism uh, of the Holy Spirit days. Matter of fact, he got himself in a lot of trouble. But when he was filled with the Holy Spirit, the message, he said, that Jesus that you tried to kill, uh-uh, my God raised him up, and he is Lord, and he is Savior now, and he sits on the throne. And you know what happened to those people as they were listening to a man with a bad reputation? Verse 37, and when they heard this, they were cut to the heart. What happened? When you share your faith through the presence and power of the Holy Spirit, it will cut the heart of that unbeliever. Why? Because it's not your words that's changing them. It's not how you feel about yourself that's changing them. It's the Holy Spirit that is changing people's lives. When you have the power and the presence. But listen, it's not going to come... And this is where the church has it wrong. The power is the signs, wonders, and miracles. We're not going to have this unless we do the purpose. We won't have it. If we're not reaching the world, we'll have very little power. And the only way to have the power is to get in God's presence. It's not going to come any other way. It's not going to come through a good service anymore. We're going to reach the world because God's presence is in my bedroom at home because God's presence is in my living room at home. Because I've got worship on instead of a Netflix series. And I love Netflix series, don't get me wrong. But there's seasons. And God is calling the church to a season of knowing his presence. Why? Because his power needs to be ignited in us as the church and then when that happens, we fulfill the purpose of God, just like the book of Acts. There was an unleashing because they tapped into this purpose of God inside of their life. Amen? There's no greater joy than the power of evangelism and doing something for Jesus. Thank you, Father God. The apostles' doctrine was this, and we'll get more into this next week. I'm going to pray with you. And, but the apostles' doctrine was this. As they built the church, they taught this. They taught repentance of their sins. They taught water baptism, and they taught baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was the doctrine. That was the message. And so they would come to the temple daily, and they would get this message of the apostles' doctrine of repentance, water baptism, and baptism of the Holy Spirit. That was the core of the message. And then what would they do? They'd go back to their homes, and the Bible says they would have fellowship, and they would break bread. Not with other church members. They were breaking bread with their neighbors. And they were taking the message that they received from the temple to their homes. See, that's opening the church up from this. Do you know that even mega churches, listen to this, mega churches, and they're, the, these pastors are saying it, of huge churches, 4% of their people are lo lost walking in the back door. 4%. The rest of them are transferred Christians. The church isn't doing it right. Having mega churches is not doing it right. And I'm not downing mega churches. I'm just saying what I know the Spirit's saying from mega church pastors and the Spirit of the Lord. 4% of people come to the kingdom? How sad is that when the world is lost and going to hell and hopeless and committing suicide? Our babies committing suicide with no hope or joy or purpose. Pastors committing suicide because there's no power of the Holy Spirit awakening, too busy trying to meet the big needs instead of just resting in the finished works of the cross and sending their people out to the highways and the byways. God is flipping the switch.
It's no longer going to be the big platforms. Thank God. You know the pressure that pastors feel. We feel so much pressure that we've got to win the world. Bring them to us and we'll get them saved. Such a huge responsibility. But it's not our responsibility. Jesus gave it to all the disciples. 120 in the upper room. Those 120 brought in 3,000. Then I think the next week it was 2,000. And then they added to the church daily is what scripture says. That's revival. And guess what? That's when church is fun. That's not when I got to show up and do my duty and go through the religious rituals. No, we're going to do church the way Jesus wants us to do church. Amen? You can't have God's purpose without having his presence. And without his presence, we can't have the power. Amen. We've got to fulfill the purpose of God. Father, I thank you this morning for everyone watching today, God. Everyone here in service. Lord, I know that this message is challenging us to the core. And God, we know we're not going to get it right right away. But Lord, we are preparing ourselves in this church. Lord, this church is getting prepared and groomed and we're stripping ourselves down to the things that are not necessary. Lord, we're getting our joy back. We're getting our fire back. We're going to fall in love with you once again, Father God. And we want to get at the starting gate to do what you've called us to do. Holy Spirit, this is your church. This is your way. We want to win this city to Jesus, God. We're not looking, Father God, for large platforms and popularity. Lord, we're looking for purpose. And your presence is here right now, God. Your presence is here. Remind us as your church of your power that lives on the inside of us. If you're here this morning and you need to make right, things right with Jesus, this is the moment. If you need to let go of some things, bitterness and anger, unforgiveness, whatever it is, this is the moment to lay it at the cross. There's no time to carry stuff. It's time to give it to Jesus. Let's get our focus on the Father. Get our focus on this race, and let's let some joy come back to our hearts. But I want to invite everyone today to just make this confession with me. Say, Dear Jesus, I'm asking you, forgive me of all of my sins. Come into my heart. Be my Lord. Revive me, God. Ignite your Holy Spirit on the inside of my life. I ask for your presence and ears to hear your Holy Spirit. If you said that prayer this morning, and I want all of you, if you, just some part of that prayer touched you, just lift your hand up and put it down all over this room, but whatever it was, just God igniting you, God putting your focus back, God getting some things under the blood, getting some things in order. You know, I think all of us probably have a piece of this that we can align our heart to today. And if you're here this morning and you need to go deeper with Jesus, we want to help disciple you. We want, you can look at me now. We want to help disciple you. We want to bring, come alongside of you. We have a program called um, Following Jesus, and it's a discipleship program to teach you this walk with Christ and to really open up the word and take some time with you. And we're also launching a program called Celebrate Recovery on Wednesday nights, and it's going to be a spiritual healing program for people that are going through things. And we want to be a hospital, amen, to people who are in need. So don't go through this journey alone. Let us help you. Let us link arms with you. We are here for you to encourage this walk with the Lord, amen. I love you all so much.